Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? It's the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. Thank you for staying tuned in with us. Appreciate you. Definitely got to send my love out to my brother with the L.A. Landscaping LLC. You know, get your grass cut uh, right next year. Uh, my brother, uh, Jose Rivera, Detroit Forever. And, you know, all my family, friends, and loved ones that showing support, man. Uh, you know, much love to you guys. But uh, <laughs> Renee Isabella, everybody. Hola. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know we just got off into it, you know, and jumped off into it, man. But, uh, you know, that's how you know it's real, man. Nothing scripted. Everything, you know, we talk about everything we got to say. It comes real. It comes from experience. It comes with growing pains and a lot of trials and tribulations, you know. But at the end of the day, the mission is just to grow, grow through it, grow from it, and just keep on moving forward. So uh, I'm going to let Renee tell you guys a little bit about herself and where she's from. Um, well, I was born in Detroit. I grew up in Wesleyan and Shacktown to be specific. Shacktown, if you guys don't know, um, is a low-income area, you know, full of duplexes. And um, I come from a single mom of five children, completely independent, no man to help her, and 20-something years ago, that was definitely a very, very big struggle. It wasn't, you know, too many people doing that, let alone not drinking, not smoking, not having a social life, going to work, coming home, providing the best, never letting her children know that she's struggling every day to make sure every bill is paid and we have the best of the best. That's dope. Shout out to moms for sure, and all the moms that are just like her. So for for you, for those who don't know about Shack Town, um, so how I know Renee is through through my brother Mike Banks, man. Free my brother Mike Banks. You know he's doing natural. He's doing natural life plus a hundred years. Me and Mike and my brother Pat Bates, we were all on the same murder case. Uh, Me and my brother Pat, we took a plea deal. Um, we're both home after 17 years. My brother's still fighting for his freedom. Um, and, and you know, when I, when I advocate for my brother's freedom, I just don't want anybody to think that I'm not thinking about my victim and his family on my case because my thoughts and my prayers go out to you and your family because I know that the pain, you know, never goes away. You know, I apologize for my trespasses in life, but I promise you that your son's life was not in vain. His, you know, I, I, and I'm making sure that and, and by, by, by growing in my own life. Yes, which is why we are here today yeah. and why we're able to sit here and inspire each and every buddy that we hopefully interact with every mm-hmm. day on a day-to-day basis. Listen, this brother inspired me when he told me he was from Westland. I said, Westland, bro, you from the burbs, man. You rich as hell. And he say, he say, bro, I'm from Shacktown. I said, what does Shacktown mean? He was like, watch, I'm going to show you. So he take me out to the neighborhood. And I said, oh, Lord, literally, it was shacks, houses that looked like it was in a foreign country. Bro, I ain't going to lie. And I ain't cracking. I'm just saying that I was inspired by that because, you know, how you had that biasness because you're from the hood. And you think that don't, if you don't live in the hood, that, you know, people are rich and they bougie and all that. Man, I went out there. I felt bad for him. You hear me? I said, oh, Lord, I'm over here coming from the hood. And my, my, my house, 
you know, looking way better than yours. So, you know, just I just want you guys to understand that, you know, it's it's it's, you know, wherever you go, you know, you have a community of people who are, you know, struggling, sure. you know, for sure. A ghetto. Definitely. I don't know if you know or not, but Shacktown was originally built for one of the wars. I'm not 100 percent sure. Don't quote me. Okay. <laughs> but. That was where, like, all the army people, the military people, would live with their families. Wow. That's why there's oh. duplexes. That's why there's houses so close to each other. But, you know, when we, when I lived in Shacktown, my house, my mom is an amazing gardener, amazing landscaper. You would think <laughs> she's Mexican, I promise. <laughs> like, I did not get that Mexican ability about me. I don't landscape at all whatsoever. <laughs> long voice for that but everything was absolutely perfect shout out to my moms for that absolutely that's sweet so you know and, and and the thing i respect about that is um just because a lot of us come from you know low income communities even poverty you know the spirit of our people of our culture was very strong we still had moral values we still had yeah. a strong belief system and we believe in still being clean even if we didn't have the best houses or the best cars we still cleaned it vacuumed it you know we ironed our clothes we made sure that we we lived richly Yes. You know, so, you know, I, I just want people to be able to recognize that, you know, in the depth of poverty, there is still richness and wealth. And that comes from within the heart of the people, the culture and the community and, and the foundation that's built for that. Yes, absolutely. So what was it like, like growing up in, and you said Westland, Wayne, Garden City, like what was it like growing up out there? So I, I lived in Shaytown until... Um my kindergarten year and then we moved to Garden City and Garden City was a little bit better um and then we moved to Westland when I was like in third grade so still elementary school and then from there I grew up and graduated in Westland started my cosmetology career and then you know Michael took over my mom's house in Garden City yes that was was a beautiful house yes I was over there my mom actually had that house completely built like I remember seeing the progress of that house being built so every time I drive by it my heart breaks absolutely for so many reasons and that's when I actually met you and your sister your mother I was little running around there and I was doing all kinds of chores and Michael was (laughs) handing me 20s to, to change garbages yeah Yes, and I was like, this is the best. I love being here. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so then um, just started my cosmetology career, you know, when I was um, in high school. And then you started while you were in high school? I did start while I was in high school, and I kind of gave up on it for a little bit, and I decided I wanted to, you know, hang out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people, you know, kind of do the same dumb shit you and Michael were doing way back then because, you know, that's just kind of what I was around. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Right. Kind of what I was around, kind of what I seen, you know, kind of what I knew about. Nobody else knew about it. So I thought I was one of the cool kids, you know. So you you was one of the cool kids in school. Okay. You was popular. Yeah, I lived in Westland. I was popular. You know, I did sports and all that kinds of stuff. But yet I had this completely other life that was all the bad stuff. The drinking, the smoking, the Mm. partying, the strip club, the... Being 21 before you're 21, you Yeah, know? I, listen, I'm very familiar with that life. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So from there, I um, I kind of got in trouble, and I, um, I didn't want to do hair for a minute because I just wanted to hang out and party, and I didn't need a license. I didn't need to work. I was making money other ways, and um, okay. I actually ended up 
going to jail. And then... When, going to jail? Yes, when I went to jail, I, um... I Come on with it. Come on with it. <laughs> when I went to jail, it was definitely a very, very, very big wake-up call for me. I was 17 years old, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is real life. This can really, really, truly happen to a pretty girl like myself and somebody that comes from money and somebody that, you know. What jail did you go to? I went to Clinton County, which is wherever. I don't know. Do you know where it is? Nope. Don't want to know either. I know it was like an hour or something away. (laughs) And how long they have you in jail for? Um, I was in there for 20 days. Damn! So you got a little taste of it. Yeah. What kind of charges you had? What you go to jail for? So I went to jail for violating my probation. And I violated my probation because I kept smoking weed. There was no way I was ever going to give up my weed. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. Definitely pothead. True and true. (laughs) But, um... I had resisting arrest, domestic violence, and assault on a police officer. What? You was yes. tearing the club up. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like how you were saying earlier, you know how you feel your body is definitely fire, wind, and water. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have fire running through these veins every single day. And when I want something, I want it. And there is no way, no how anybody's telling me I can't have it. So whatever, long story short, I, um was coming down from ecstasy and I wanted to go smoke some weed mm-hmm. and my mom and my sister didn't want me to so I ended up fighting with my sister and then the cops got called and they tried to arrest me and of course I didn't try to arrest you yeah, they tried to and of course I didn't want to go so then um, <laughs> I was you know fighting because that's just you know I'm a fighter my family with Michael you know it's just fighting and uh, did your mom teach you that um, no. So my mom definitely never, never liked me What kind of fighting. woman, what kind of woman was your mother? Describe oh, her to us. My mom is a true angel. She doesn't smoke. She doesn't drink. She doesn't have a social life. She never had a boyfriend. Like, she is the most generous woman and will give you the shirt off of her back and help you any which way never judgmental listen to you and what does she do for a living um my mom actually she works at ford she's always worked at ford oh yeah, yeah. wow i'm not 100 percent sure what she does at <clears throat> ford's we don't really talk about work because she's she always wants me to go work there and i'm like it's just not happening <laughs> <laughs> i can't work at a fair so I, you know it's interesting that you said that your mother like never had boyfriends and stuff like that. And I had asked you about it and you said that, you know, she had a, 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 a huge amount of respect for her home and her daughters. It was a single mother and there was, what, yes. three other girls that lived in the house? Yes. So, you know, like like that's a really big deal. That really plays a big difference in the experiences that, that women and girls go through at a young age because a lot of times when you come from broken homes and a lot of women, you know, they're looking for love and sometimes in all the wrong places and then you bring the wrong kind of man home and then you create other situations, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and, and so, you know, that's a huge sacrifice that your mother made for you and your and, and for you and your family and sacrifice her own social life and her own um, personal life, you know, to make sure that you guys were safe and protected because, you know, a lot of times, you know, you got women who bring men into their homes because they want to make, you know, a man, a family home and a decent man or whatever it may be. And, and you just don't know who this man is and how he's going to be around other women. And that's how little girls and stuff like that end up being sexually abused. And yeah. so it's just important to be able to be mindful, you know, of that type of stuff. If you're a mother out there and, and, um, you know, and, and you're looking for somebody, you know, just be mindful of who you're bringing home. 
because uh, you have good people, but you got a lot of dangerous people out there as well. Yes, absolutely. That was an amazing sacrifice that my mom did. I honestly, <clears throat> I don't know how she did it. Uh, mentally, even just, you know, mental health is such a huge, important role. And especially when you are a mother and a single mother and just all the trials and tribulations that come along with raising children from, you know, the time they're born to 18 years old and, you know, even just thinking like, holy shit, if I bring this man home, he could possibly hurt one of my daughters, and mm -hmm. then how am I going to feel, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, but see, there's a lot of mothers and a lot of women, and, and I'm not throwing no shade. no shade on nobody, I'm just saying that sometimes women look for men, you know, and they well, bring yeah. men home, you know, looking for that love, but sometimes they get blinded by their, by their needs, and they forget about the safety of their home and their kids, their children, just the possibilities, you know? So. Yes, I agree. And, and I say it, you know, just stuff like that through experience. Yes, and I'm very, very, very thankful that my mom showed me that. You know, mm -hmm. that way, you know, as I became a mother, I, you know, I always have that in perspective for my children. And whenever I talk to another mother, you know, I always throw that into, you know. You said that your mother, when you were in high school, that she encouraged you to play sports and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so my mom definitely always wanted me to be into sports. She never wanted... So, me personally, if you know me, I never sit and chill. The only time I sit and chill is when I'm going to bed. So, midnight 30. Like, I sleep from midnight 30 to maybe, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. That's it. I don't sit and chill. I just don't. So, my mom was a very, very busy body, so we always had to be doing something. So, there would be times when I was growing up, when I was in high school, and I would have to do cheer practice, and my mom would be... She would fight with me to go because I didn't want to go because mm -hmm. I wanted to go hang out with my friends because my friends were going to do whatever they were doing. Mm -hmm. So there were times where we would fight and not get along, but ultimately I would go, and I'm so thankful I went, and I'm so thankful that she pushed me and, you mm -hmm. know, always supported me in that and always told me, you know, how I could What, what lessons myself. did you learn from it? Like, cheer, like, there's just certain things that you learn about life or life lessons that you learn mm -hmm. from cheerleading. I think you said you also played baseball. baseball. Yeah, like and, and and it's funny how you go through things and you learn things strategically through sports and then you apply it to that same principle later on in your in your own life. Like, is there anything like that that you could share, like a lesson that you learned through cheerleading mm -hmm. or through playing baseball or even the responsibility of the position? Like, what position did you play when you played softball? Um, when I played softball, I did shortstop and I did third base. Third okay. base. So yeah, with okay. the responsibilities of third base, you definitely had to have an arm and be able to throw which was one of my favorite things to do, just because I felt so powerful being able to throw a ball so far, you know, from third base to first base. That's yeah, so you had arm on you. Yeah, okay. definitely, which was definitely one thing that made me proud of myself. Okay. And then as far as cheerleading, just the discipline, being able to be so still and be so stiff and be so flexible. Mm -hmm. I can imagine because it's almost like acrobatics, you yeah, know. Absolutely. And And you put your body through a lot of you know, abuse, you know, to get yes. it to, I, I mean, I've seen, like, I've watched the Olympics, and I've seen people do stuff with their body that I was, like, amazed by, like, I didn't even need, even know the body could bend like that, or stretch like that, or whatever, you this know. This is definitely my favorite about <laughs> cheerleading, and just any physical sport, it's just the flexibility, I love being flexible, mm -hmm. it's definitely one of my and favorites. And what about, like, the mental capacity, like, what are the mental lessons that you learn, as far as, like, focus, discipline, <laughs> determination, mm -hmm. so, something like with, that? With baseball, <clears throat> Definitely just thinking ahead. 
of what's next, making sure you're following the ball for each play, thinking about how what's going to happen next if this person strikes the ball and then with cheerleading, just being on time and being in sync and being so stiff and being picture perfect and just smiling pretty, even <laughs> if you bust your ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, you got to be pretty because mm-hmm. being a cheerleader, which is nice and like I said, the flexibility. It's nice to be flexible, to be open-minded. Do you think that that type of mentality can exclude people or discourage people like other women? Like when you do that body shaming and stuff like that, do you oh, think yeah. it excludes okay. people? Yeah, definitely. You know? So a lot, a lot of women definitely I have heard or even been told, you know, for one, they think I'm a bitch because I'm not super friendly. I only speak when I'm spoken to, but mm-hmm. that's just my family background. You know me, like it's just... I do, I understand Yeah, but to people that don't know me, I come off as a bitch. But then once you get to know me, you know, I'm so sweet, I'm so generous, I'm so everything. But then as far as just the mentality of it, it is Mm -hmm. definitely, it did help, for sure. Me Mm -hmm. growing up and just coming off and having those leadership skills and being able to be, you know, an influencer to most of the people that I see and most of the people that I meet, you know, just trying to influence them. Who are the people that you look most up to, male or female or mm-hmm. both, that, you know, were influential in your life? I know there you had a lot of influential people, but the ones who, you know, you realized had your best interests at heart and, and kept you guided and, and, you know, was giving you, you know, that was positive, made a positive impact in your life. So, uh <clears throat> My most influential influential people are my mom because she'll tell me when I'm right or when I'm wrong or mm-hmm. when I'm being smart, when I'm being dumb or when I'm being bullheaded. She'll tell me the absolute truth. And then I have Michael's mom, my auntie Angel, which I call her. You know her as Diane, but mm-hmm. she's the shout out to Diane. Yeah, Lady. she is the sweetest woman. Big hug she's, for you. she's never cussed. I've never seen her mad. I've never seen her anything. She is. Very religious, I can remember. Damn near none, Diane. Seriously, my my auntie Angel, let me tell you. Seriously, an angel on earth. And, um, I mean, even I remember coming out of jail and her telling me, you know, God just needed you to slow down. She threw the holy water on you. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) but just her teaching me, you know, to be calm and be understanding, don't be judgmental, look to God when you need help, and Mm -hmm. try not to cuss, and try not to, you know, get mad, because being mad is definitely a very, very strong emotion, and it's a waste of an emotion, and it's a waste of time. It'll drain you, man. Hating, animosity, anger, being mad, being Mm -hmm. disappointed, just like, man, like, it, it takes a lot of energy, and Honestly, I ain't got time for it, you know. I, uh-uh, everything I got, go go towards my future, man, being productive. Yeah, and I ain't absolutely. got no problem reaching back up, lifting people when I can, empower people, motivate them. Yeah. But some people some people become stagnant in their life, and they like being like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, you know, I'm... You definitely have to be aware of those people, and you definitely have to pray for those people. You have to pray for their open-mindedness. Absolutely, And yep. that they will, you know, yep. try to that. accept the help that you're trying to give them. But then just my brothers and my sisters, each one of my brothers and sisters are absolutely so strong. I mean, my oldest sister, Jamie, being just so independent as a woman. My brother, James, for being just such an amazing man. My sister, T- Tiffany, for being such a sweetheart, generous, perfect mm-hmm. person. And my sister, Sarah, for being not... 
somebody you can push around. She's just like my mom, you know. Renee Isabella. And uh, last time we was talking, she was talking about how she went to jail for 20 days. So, uh, I, I, like, you know, I want to know, what did you do with yourself within them 20 days? Um, I really didn't do too much because, I mean, you're in jail. You're a pretty girl. You don't know what the hell to expect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so... I definitely didn't cry, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> you ain't crying. No. Stop playing. Uh, no, you ain't crying. No, Dang. Most people, that's the first why? thing they do. I was yeah. only, if, maybe if I was there for like longer than 30 days, I might have cried. But <laughs> it was like 20 days. And then when you add in your good time and whatnot, like, it's less than 20 days. Yeah. But so while I was in jail, I really... <sighs> I just remember brushing my teeth a million times because there wasn't shit to do. And I was, like, <laughs> wanted to look in the mirror. I like mirrors. But then I started reading the Bible, and I actually read the scripture of Elijah, and I like to draw. So I wrote out the name Elijah, and I absolutely loved the way it was written out in cursive. So that's really all I did in jail. I mean, you really can't do too much there. Yeah. What about like some soul searching, like a little bit of inventory? Um, like, what I mean, were your thoughts? Like, were, were you did you do your time mad at the world or um, mad at the situation or like what, what? What was one lesson that you learned from doing that, that little bit of time? I definitely, I definitely did some soul searching. I wasn't mad about it because that was one thing that my mom always taught me is you know. You have to admit when you're wrong. When you fucked up, you fucked up. Mm -hmm. Nobody changed that. So definitely I was mad at myself, but I was just like, oh, shit, this is real life. I don't want to be here no longer than I have to be. I want yeah, my bras back. I want my cute panties back. I want my own <laughs> shoes. I want my own toothbrush. I want a real fucking mirror. I want my strainer. <laughs> I want everything, you know, so... I definitely did some soul searching, and I was just like, you definitely cannot live this Yeah, because you, know, you don't know what you got, so you ain't got it, it no more. Absolutely. And when and you get locked up, they take everything from you. Yes, and I definitely needed to realize that. So then when I got out of jail, I, um, I actually met this, what I thought was an amazing man at the time, which ended up being my children's father. Okay. So, so you have two kids, right? Yes, I have two children. A with, boy and a girl? Yes, okay. a boy and a girl with the same man. I have my son Elijah, who, like I said, I absolutely fell in love with that name. So his name. So was you found name. his name in jail, yeah. in the Bible, and named your son Elijah. Yep, a year later. Yeah. <laughs> what you say? So not changed up. Yep. So then I had my Elijah, and then... Probably like two or a year later, I actually had a miscarriage, and then another year later, I had my daughter Isabella. But um, yeah. real quick, like, like what was it like to have to go through a miscarriage? If you know what I mean, like. Well, when you go through a miscarriage with the wrong person, it's definitely really, really hard mentally, physically, wow. emotionally. Mm -hmm. So, I remember this day very fine. So I wasn't that far along, and, and you know. You probably don't know, but mm -hmm. so when you have a miscarriage, you either have to have surgery to have the baby, you know, depending mm -hmm. on how far along you are, get the baby out of you, or you can do like this pill and then you pass the baby yourself. Well, okay. So I did the pill and my mom and Sarah had came over to check on me and Michael, my children's father, and my son Elijah, who was like two at the time, mm -hmm. were there and my dog, I have a boxer, an eight-year-old boxer, and... Um, 
I was yelling at the dog and I just felt something and I went to the bathroom and I remember laying in bed all day and Michael was just not doing anything. He was just sitting on the couch, chilling, wasn't interacting with our son, wasn't cleaning the house, wasn't, you know, asking me if I needed anything, wasn't helping me for anything and it was really rough and then I kind of just blacked it out. Like a lot of people do. Yeah. Like I actually, if we ever touch into it, but there's another story of how far I actually blacked it out to the point where I forgot it actually happened to me. That's mm -hmm. how far I blacked it out. Mm -hmm. Which is hard to do. So Elijah was your firstborn? Yes. Okay. Elijah is my firstborn. He's nine years old now. He's okay. absolutely perfect. And then you end up having a daughter as well, right? Yeah, I have so, my daughter, So Isabella. when you were at the point with him where you were already seeing all these things about him that was discouraging you from, you know, from the, the belief that you had in him that you thought he was, a standard that you had from him, like um, what made you have another child with him? So, <laughs> about that, and I'm glad you really touched on that because mm -hmm. not a lot. I mean, this is real everyday real, people, yes, and we want to share how yeah. it is, you know, because this is the only way we're going to grow if we know the truth. So, with my Isabella, I had already, me and Michael, my children's father, we had been through so much physically, mentally, emotionally. I felt so embarrassed and I felt so ashamed that I was having another child with this man that I was not. I was not impressed with his morals, his ethics, the way he lived his life, the things he did, the way he thought he should take care of his children and his wife. And um, I didn't tell anybody I was pregnant with Issa until the day she was born. Like, wow, are I, you serious? Yes, I did not post one picture. Your family? I get no mics. I told my immediate What about family, physically? Like well, I told my immediate family, and then, like, I worked at the barber shop the whole time I was pregnant with her, but the whole time I was pregnant with her, I literally told everybody, like, don't ask me, and I didn't tell, like, my mom's sisters or anybody like that. I just told my mom's family, and that was that. Well, just all my brothers and sisters, and that was it. And then the day she was born, I told everybody... And then I started to really put things into perspective. I was talking to my mother, and I was like, you know, Mom, I'm really unhappy. I don't like this. I don't like that. He's not helping me with laundry. He's not helping me with dishes. And, you know, those are everyday things when you're raising children that can yeah. really add You guys got to share the responsibility. A, a lot of stress. And then not to mention I'm working as well. You know what I mean? Like, there's just... You had mentioned that he had started using drugs as well, well right? Yeah, absolutely. So you, he was seven years older older than me, you know what I mean? So I was I was 18 when I met this man. He was 27. So me always, you know, being into drugs and partying and whatever, I've always been like, you know, do what you need to do. I, I don't care what you do, but take care of responsibilities. Pay these bills. Make sure our babies are fine. Mm -hmm. Make sure you go to work. Like, make sure you're not blowing our mortgage money on your whatever right mm -hmm. so then a year almost a year after I had my daughter 11 months after I had my daughter I um I got a phone call while I was at the barbershop working and the phone call was your your fiance we were engaged at the time your fiance okay. is cheating on you and um so I met up with a guy and he told me he was cheating on me I never got proof whatever so then I lived with that secret for over 90 days because I had my daughter's first birthday and then I had his birthday and um, 4th of July I ended up 
just calling my brother and telling him to come help me grab my clothes and my daughter's crib and we left and then a month later he ended up telling me that that phone call I got at work was related to his drug problem and he had blew our mortgage money on cocaine and all this other crazy stuff and then because you said at the time he had told you that he wanted you know he wanted the house the dog the family the you know that's what he wanted you know and and so that's what you had given him and then somewhere he ended up going on his own path and then everything that you guys had built you guys slowly but surely lost a lot of it right so i had elijah when i was 18 to put things in perspective i had elijah when i was 18 i turned 19 a couple months later and we moved out of my mom's house when i was 19 i had my own house by the time i was 21 i was thrown my first birthday my 21st birthday party in my own backyard with my own house i was you know a stay-at-home mom i had this perfect life he said he wanted you know a housewife and I was fine with doing all the laundry all the cooking all the dishes because I was stay-at-home mom no whatever but then when I started working I'm like bro I need some help mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I had my daughter and I was like bro we got two kids not happening and then I started to realize that there was a lot more to it so yeah after five years two kids a house and a dog he decided he didn't want it no more and didn't want to tell me and that was Wow. really hard because I was I was blue in the face I had written it out I had you know talking to my mom I'm telling her how everything's going I'm asking her what I should do how I should play it what I should say and I mean I was calm and stay telling him hey you know listen like this really might hurt your feelings but I'm sorry this is really how I'm feeling if we're going to be on a mature relationship with children and you know a fucking mortgage together and bills and retirement and blah 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 blah, blah. I need to be real with you, you know, I'm not happy about this, that, and the other, and I gave it time to change, and then I found out about his drug problem, and that was just enough, you know. So what ended up happening to him? So, um, like a couple months after we separated, we tried getting back together, and then we ended up getting into a physical fight again while we were trying to get back together within 90 days, and, um... After that, I called it quits because I just, I didn't want that. I don't want my son to see that. I don't want my daughter to see that. My mom and my dad, my dad was abusive to my mom, and I told myself I never wanted that. So how can I accept this? So I Mm -hmm. left him, and then not even six months later, he ended up passing away on a motorcycle accident. Wow. How did that impact the kids' lives? Like, was he active in their lives where... Like, like, did they miss him when he was gone, or how did how much how did it impact them? You know, honestly, it's really, really hard to say how it impacted them because at the funeral, my son, halfway through it, he was like, "Can we go?" It doesn't matter. My dad's already mm-hmm. dead mm-hmm. at wow. five years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then not to mention the whole previous six months up to that, you couldn't count on Michael to be there. You couldn't mm-hmm. count on Michael to pay Elijah's private school tuition for preschool. You couldn't mm-hmm. count on him to be there to watch them when I got my nails done and his house was in repossession mm-hmm. and his truck was in repossession and So now now that you're on your own, you're a single mother, like mm-hmm. how'd you get through it? Like mm-hmm. like how did you make money? How'd you pay the bills? How'd you manage with the kids? <laughs> it's so funny. You know what I mean? Like, so, like it's not funny but it's it still kind of blows my mind but I am very proud of myself. So The day I found out he died, like I I told you before, Scotty, Michael's little brother, Mm -hmm. had told me that my children's father died. And then um, 
After that, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning, and it was, I had picked up a shift at the barber shop that night from like 4 to 8 or whatever. So I actually went to work the day he passed away because the only way I could get through it and tell myself to get through it was because he's gone. It's only up to me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely yeah. only up to me. So then obviously with my job being a barber... I can give myself a raise whenever I want. I have a flexible mm. schedule. Mm. I have absolute freedom. So when did you uh, pursue your, your, your career? Um, I pursued my career when I found out, a couple months before I found out I was pregnant with Asa. Because I know so you said you started in yeah. high school, yeah. and then later on um, you, I, know, well, you picked it I, back up. Yeah, I picked it back up, okay. and then... Um, so I've been doing men's hair exclusively for almost seven years now, right after I had Issa, well, right before I found out I was pregnant with Issa, and because Michael, he told me, he was like, you have to get a job, you know, I need help, wow. whatever, with the bills, and mm -hmm. it has to be a nine to five, so I was like, okay, well, I'll work the weekends at the barber shop, you know, because mm -hmm. he works Monday through Friday, and I don't want my children in daycare, I want them with family, and, okay. you know, stuff like that, so... Yes, definitely super thankful. That's how I've gotten through. So where, where did you, like, start working at? Like, what was your first professional gig at? So my first professional um, haircutting job was at Great Clips out in Livonia, which is crazy because I live right down the street from the shop where I first started out at. How crazy. Where was that at? It's in Livonia. Okay. Which is... What's it called? It's called... It was Great Clips. Great Clips? Yeah. Okay. All which right. is like a nationwide chain salon, but everybody has bad experiences at Great Clips. That's like Bo Ricks or yeah. some Sam's. Uh, yeah. What was it called? Yeah. Fantastic Sam's yeah. or something there like that? Oh, you is. know, you go there, you bogue with the haircut. Right. They, they're all going to laugh at you. The only well. reason I got a job there is because um, I had left my children's father previous to having my daughter, and mm. I needed a job right away. Did you learn? And, so what did you learn oh, there? Did you learn I some stuff? I learned a lot there because I had two of the girls that I knew that worked with me, so I was able to really bump ideals off them, you know, ask them how to do these certain haircuts, and then, I'm not going to lie, Great Clips has a great training program as well. <laughs> I mean, they give you the basics, and then I quit there after 90 days because I couldn't do the 15-minute haircuts, and then I started at HMX, which is hair mechanics, and I... Where was that at? At the one on Eureka? And, yep, the Southgate hair mechanics. Okay, the Southgate yeah. one, I all right. Down River, which was super fun. Okay, I then. miss all my Down River people, <laughs> all my clients. What up, Down River? River? But I still got a couple clients from Down River, which is nice. I make the drive. Appreciate so where are you at now? I work at the hair mechanics in Westland. Okay, Which all is right. nice. I've been there for the last six years. Which is nice. I've, I've definitely watched myself grow up in front of the mirror, and I, I've evolved with clients, and I've learned so many, so many things. I've I, from places to travel, from just values, morals, ethics. Just what's what's it like? Like, what's the difference between working at hair mechanics and the average salon? Like, I, I you know, I was told that uh, hair mechanics was uh, targeted for men. It was. It well, was, Hair Mechanics was, is a barber shop only. It is okay. exclusively a barber shop. So we have... But is it all women? Well, that, yes. Okay. We have all, all right. women on our staff rosters. 
But then we do have, at our Westland locations, we have three girls on staff that do women's hair as well. So, like, color okay. and cuts right. and things. And then we do have a couple girls on staff that do braids. And, you know, so it definitely just depended on your stylist and what her capabilities are, okay. which is nice. So, do you prefer to do women's hair, men's hair, or? Um, I prefer to do all hair. All hair? Okay. All All right. Hair hair is my therapy. That is, like, it's so crazy. That is the thing that calms me down. That is, like, the only thing, like, I have a passion for. I will, Mm -hmm. I could never see myself. And it gives you an opportunity to be creative. Like, do your clients let you be creative? Or not to mention, like, I have so many clients that come in and they feel like, I don't know, they just feel, like, complete. They're just not happy. And then I give them a great haircut. You know, I give them a little bit of confidence. I talk them up, give them a couple compliments. And by the end of the haircut, they feel so much better. Absolutely. It's priceless And you know, when people feel good, they tip good. Well, I'm not worried about a tip. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I'm a sweetheart like that. Mom, what's up? Love you, Mom. But that's good, though. I mean, you've been able to provide, you've been able to make a house payment. You've been able to provide for your kids with this skill trade, though. You know what I'm saying? You've been able to take care of yourself, your family, uh, take care of Christmas and birthdays. Like, you know, that's a lot of things that you know you can't just not 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 acknowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if, 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 if men actually realize what women go through when they raise kids on their own. Like, that means they doing everything. They paying all the bills. They got to get the shoes, the clothes, the food, the house, everything. You know what I mean? And my baby's so. staying forces and Tim's. Okay. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's yes. good, though, man. You know, cause but, but, but without my job, there is no way. You know, like, I, I, for one, I can never see myself working 40 fucking hours a week. Okay, that's just not happening. There's no way I can work 40 plus hours and then still get the laundry and make dinner at least, you know, four times a week and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure I, all that stuff. I, I can't work 40 hours on so my barbershop job. You know, I work maybe like 32 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then, but you create your own schedule. Right. Because you, know? you manage the place, yes, right? Yes. I, I manage Westland as well. So I work just Friday through Tuesday. Yes. I've okay. given up every weekend for the last six years. But me giving up every weekend for my children to be with family is worth it because the rest of my family works Monday through Friday and huge shout out to my mom for, you know, making me think about my schedule before I went back after having my daughter and how I was able to work that out and thank God they are both now in school. So, you know, I have my Mondays and Fridays where I don't have to worry about a babysitter so then it's just Saturdays or Mondays, Fridays and Tuesdays I just picked up that extra day to pay for their private school. I mean, it's got to be worth it. It's got to be worth it, though. But, yeah, no, I have amazing clients, and and not to mention, I am very thankful that I'm I'm good at what I do, and, you know, I've definitely busted my ass, and I've definitely tried my hardest, and I've invested a lot in my tools, you know, and I've invested, I've definitely invested a lot in myself, and I am am very proud of myself. You are the best investment you can Mm -hmm. make. The best investment is in yourself. So we're here with Renee Isabella, and, uh, you know, for those who have been tuned in, you've heard her story. And uh, so right now, I just want to know, like, what's the future look like for Renee? So hopefully the future for Renee looks like my own hair mechanics franchise in a warmer state where there's no snow. (laughs) (laughs) And then I manage that one, I figure it all out, get it good, and then... 
couple years, maybe five years, and then I open another one, and I get that one all good for five years, and then... I like the way you think. I just have two barbershops that make me money while I live where there's no snow and travel the world. Where would you like to live? What does that place look like? What's it called? Like, well, like and these are things that I, that I, that sure. I learned about being a, uh, when you, when you creating your dream and oh, your vision, so you got to go into detail and be specific about okay. what you want. Okay. <laughs> it's not East of Land. Not that, for sure. But it'll have a cool name, don't worry. It'll have a badass water park as well. I love water parks. <laughs> but, um, Definitely, I want to retire in Mexico. That's for sure. I want to have a house in Mexico. I do not. You can be, be a DJ. Here. Yes, I'm always. Yes, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm always gonna be <laughs> Detroit DJ. DJ Dan Lit Music Entertainment. What's yeah, up, baby? Like, what? I listen to music every day. So yeah, it's we like, got you, girl. We got yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but then, I mean, I would love to live in like Georgia or Texas. I definitely want to do Georgia, Texas, or Arizona. Okay. I might open a barbershop in all three, and then, like I said, just That's let those dope. make my money while I. While you live a lavish life? Yeah, hopefully. That's dope. That's dope. I hope it happened for you just and like that. I hope that. my Elijah and my Isabel love cut hair, too. I was going to ask you that. I like, is this something that you want to teach them? You yes. want them to own that craft? I want to teach I want to teach everybody how to do hair <laughs> and makeup. <laughs> like, it's, it's one of my favorite aspects of my job is being able to educate these men and being able to educate, you know, other stylists as well on just, you know, different ways, different techniques, different things mm-hmm. to do. Which is Maybe nice. you could run your own little YouTube channel or something, you know? You know, I've actually been told that. Right. Right. Yeah. I need, you, you even know. got a couple commercials. Ain't you in a couple yes. of commercials for I've hair mechanics? A, I've done a couple commercials for hair mechanics. I've done two commercials and an interview, and I've done some photo shoots as well. I mean, I would definitely love to, but I mean, I feel like I'm a perfectionist, and I'm very hard on myself. I am like the most insecure, secure person ever, so... I, I feel like if I was to record myself even doing my makeup or even just mm-hmm. an outfit or anything, I, I'm not going to like it. I'm going <laughs> to do it again and again and again and again and edit this and do that. and So I I personally think I'm too much of a perfectionist to do that. I'm Sometimes you're your own worst critic, but you know. But I feel like the more I do it and the more I get comfortable with it and the more I can see and the more I can do everything like that, then definitely. And shout out to... Some of my clients, they have told me that they would help me get to that level. They're ready to sacrifice? Okay. Yes, and what I need to get to that level as far as equipment and lighting and just, you know, little pointers and tips and tricks. But it's in the work. That's dope. That's dope. They contributed to your well-being. I mean, your DJ said the next next time we're doing haircuts live. (laughs) That's dope. We can do all that right here on El Nino Podcast. Anything is possible. So we're going to do a segment of show and tell. So you said you brought some items with you to share a story about. Okay. So my clippers are super important to me just because when I I got into the industry, I was 28 now, so six years ago I was what? 22. 22. Yeah, 22. I suck at math. <laughs> you know, I was like yeah. 22 years old. I was already, I was already a mom. I was about to have another kid. I already had a house. I had a fiance. I was living that whole little white picket life fence. And then I started cutting a bunch of men and started seeing just all the different aspects of the whole world, you know, from different jobs to different different cars. hearing their stories and stuff yes, oh man i bet you hear it all yeah my wife and my yes, kids and the dog yes. and all that 
Yes, I'm telling you, it's comparable to speed dating, <laughs> like, for real. Hell no, that's but crazy. definitely one thing that I, um, sets me apart from everybody else is just my clippers. So, uh, my favorite color is gold. It has always been yellow gold because it looks the best on my skin tone when I'm tan, which is why <laughs> I don't belong in Michigan. <laughs> but my first pair of clippers I got, um, I had them customized and they were just a gold wrap. And then after a year of using them, they started to chip. So then they came out with these ones and I got these ones and they're starting to lose their color because of how much I use them. And then of course you have to... What do they do? Which one? What, what, like, what are they Okay, so for? these are my clippers. Like, absolutely. Um, these ones cut your hair. These are my trimmers. These ones line you up. So these knock it down and that lines you up. Yep, absolutely. Do you do a lot of tapers, fades, or... Oh, I, I do everything. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> because people need. are creative with yeah. their haircuts now. Absolutely. I'm like, you sit in my chair I'm like, so how are we cutting your hair today? And you can show me a picture. You can explain it. We can do whatever. Either way, I'm going to figure out how you're going to love your haircut because anything I do is going to look good. I'm not going to let you be like, alright, well I want this and it makes no damn sense. Like, <laughs> I'm be like, you want oh, what? So no. I'll pull up a picture and be like, you want this? You want this? No, you and don't. And they probably just roll me. with it, don't well, they? Well, no, because then or when they tell me, alright, do whatever, I'm like, okay, so I can make a zigzag neckline and they're like, nah. I'm like, alright then. Like, you, I need some kind of direction. Like, how short is too short? How long is too long? Like, mm. you got to give me something. So then I just got these ones, my white and gold. I love white. White looks great on tan skin as well. And then the gold is just pretty. And then just to have a backup pair of clippers, once again, just trimmers, clippers. So if any, then one of them go down, you got a backup set right then and there on deck. Yes. Well, That's I dope. actually, I, I am a product and a clipper junkie. Work smarter, not harder. And then not to mm -hmm. mention, like, I've been just... You have to work harder and not smarter. And How much then, does a set like that oh, cost? You don't want to know. This is like $600 right here. Okay. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's an yeah. investment in yourself. Yeah. That's but, a whole turntable. But when I work with seven other girls that do the same shit I do, I mm -hmm. got to have something that sets me apart. And, I, and and I'm I'm a very matchy person, okay? My clippers match my watch, they match my ring, they match my earrings, they match mm. my necklace. That's dope. You That's know dope. what I mean? You know how to put yourself yes. together. Yep. Because when you look good, you feel good. I can't tell people I do hair and then I look like shit or yeah. I come in with some with some shit, you know, and especially doing men's hair, like Y'all are scary. Cutting men's hair, it's scary. Like I know you guys don't care and you guys aren't picky, but yeah, I'm sure you're I've picky. Had a before. I mean, you know, I, I, I like to. <laughs> you I guys take care aren't gonna say it, way. but your face will say it. I'll say it. Right? Yeah. So then. So then I got my my shears, which are absolutely perfect as well. They're gold. That's a craft which, in itself, a yes, skill with scissors. Huh? Yes, I agree. So um, these are actually eight inch shears, which are a lot longer than your normal. Your normal shears are like that much shorter, like mm -hmm. a couple inches shorter. So definitely proud of myself for learning how to work with eight inch shears and not cutting myself every time I use them. <laughs> you cut kids too. Like oh my how gosh, is it cutting kids? Yes. Like are they do they get restless? Do they Okay, so know, most do they of my enjoy kids, the cuts? Most of my kids don't get restless, but that's just because I'm a mom and because I'm I want to make the haircut so enjoyable for them, so I'm always like, oh, we have TVs at every station, we have suckers, we have this snack box in the back that has Oreos and I love cookies. Snacks. Yes, who doesn't? <laughs> so, like, literally, whenever I have a baby in, come in the salon, I'm the first person to run up and ask to cut this baby, or any girl, whenever you walk in the shop and you got a baby... 
every girl will tell you, nope, give the baby to Nay. Mm-hmm. So, like, I always make him feel so welcome. I'm like, come here. And, like, I don't know if you've seen or not, but, like, I love my superheroes as well. So, some okay. days you can catch me rocking a Spider-Man shirt or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. when a little boy sees that, he's like, oh. She he can relate. Yeah, he can relate. You know he's like, I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> but then think about it. I got that client for the next, like, 10 years. Ain't no doubt. You know what I mean? As yeah. long as I stay at the same shop, which I've been there for six years. So, I ain't mm-hmm. going nowhere. Girl, got it's that schedule and what what but, <laughs> yeah I love my little handsome clients and honestly I have just one little kid on my on my client list and he just hates haircuts like to the point where the first time I cut him his dad like held his head up against his chest and was like just go ahead and cut him mm-hmm. and I'm like are you sure because I can what's easier <laughs> to deal with men or women are, I, I'm, um, I'm assuming that women are more specific well, about what it they just, want it really just depends on what they want and the type of person you know okay. what I mean? Because a, a woman could come in the salon and just want a half an inch cut off and no layers. Mm-hmm. That's five seconds. How much the most you ever made for a haircut? Um, well. Hmm. Like around like Christmas, Thanksgiving. You know, people are generous. And, and, well, you know, honestly, a lot of my clients are generous already. So mm-hmm. I would say the most I've ever gotten paid for a haircut was like. Two fifty. Damn, good money. Good two fifty. Yeah, and that was that was during quarantine. But then again, I have clients that pay a hundred dollars every time they get their haircut. I have clients that's that good money. No them. wonder you yeah. only got to work thirty two hours. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I'm so thankful for that. But also on the same hand, I deserve that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I am. Absolutely. I am spoiled, but I'm deserving because every haircut is consistent. Like my clients that have that pay a hundred dollars every haircut have been seeing me faithfully for over five years. Wow. You know what I mean? I have yeah. a lot of my clientele that's faithful for over five years. I have clients that come every that's week. That's good. I have, you know. But, that, is, but that means they're satisfied with their cut. Mm-hmm. They're getting quality treatment, good service. Yes, I mean, all that plays a factor. Absolutely. I mean, it's to the point where, like, okay, so I'm a bourbon drinker. <laughs> you found out. And bourbon is very, very, there's not too many people that like bourbon, right? So whenever I have a bourbon drinker in my chair and they become my faithful client, like when they come in the shop. Mm-hmm. Because we have beer or water complimentary with your haircut. So like, okay, damn, for real? Yeah, so. Yeah. You get blowed up in that thing. Go ahead and get me together. It don't yeah, even matter. I mean, no, no wonder it don't even matter. <laughs> it don't even matter. I'm already blown. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, I'm messing with you. Sometimes. You're the first person I ever knew that drank bourbon. I don't know not one person. It was right. either Henny or tequila. Right. It is real good. So then, like, my clients that drink bourbon, I'll, ha- mm-hmm. I'll come, you know, I'll have a at the shop and we'll do shots of bourbon and you That's know cool. it's, it's real nice give old Capri Sun to the to, to the to, to the, the uh, baby to the baby well, and, you that, know. That, that's my thing if I if you got a baby with you I'm not offering you no alcohol because that's just that's, that's smart not, see I didn't even think thing. about that that's good that's not a thing yeah like I have sure. this one client Eladio it makes my heart so happy he brought his baby in when he was in the baby car seat the infant Dang, car seat right real. and he was just a random walk in and I just cut him and I was you know talking to the baby too because the baby's getting restless I'm like I got you no problem his baby's now two years old and he's been faithful since then <laughs> For and, real? Then, and now I cut the baby's hair I'm like and that's crazy watching people Grow old, mm-hmm. grow up in your chair. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely, it's, it's, yeah. It's you become a part of their life. You become a part of their story, you know? It's crazy. So then, like, you know, when Michael's dad was passing away, I gave my uncle his last haircut so that... 
Wow. You know, I know you recently lost two aunts, too. You know, my heart, my condolences go to you and your family. Um, they lost, she lost an aunt last month and the, and the month prior to that of yes, uh, over COVID, you know. So my heart goes out to, to the Morgan family, you know what I'm saying, my yeah. condolences. And to anybody who's lost somebody to COVID or somebody who's, who's, who's struggling with it right now, my prayers and our hearts go to you and your family. But um, like every episode, we do a signing of the wall, so we don't reach that point, and uh, it's all on you. And it got me upset. Living in that very tell American dream. Kill it when you walking with that gangsta lean. Even though you know they go, they all This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.